Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of the So What Podcast. My name is Anna McGuire and I'm excited to sit down with you today to have a conversation about sowing intentionally into our lives so that we may reap abundantly in the days and the weeks, months, and even years to come. It really is, in my personal opinion, the most wonderful time of the year next to the 4th of July. I love the 4th of July. I think that is also the most wonderful time of the year. Don't at me about it. But anyways, it is the most wonderful time of the year. We're getting ready for the holidays, for shopping, planning, maybe rearranging our original plans because the world is kind of crazy right now. And thanks to my husband, I have been listening to Christmas music since the middle of November. If you don't know this about Andrew Wayne McGuire, he is obsessed with Christmas. Like, obsessed. When we think about like going to Hobby Lobby and looking at decorations for Christmas, he may even like laugh at this and be like, that's not me. He probably enjoys that far more than I do. He's like chomping at the bit any chance he gets to get like new ornaments or stockings or whatever it may be. I will say this though, I have the more expensive Christmas taste than he does, so he can get like 20 things for me getting like one thing. Like I ordered a personalized stocking for Archie recently, and um, yeah, we're going to have to take out a loan for it. Anyways, moving on. Andrew loves Christmas. He loves Christmas music, and we have been listening to Christmas music since the middle of November in our house. And one evening, while a Spotify Christmas playlist was on shuffle, The song, Oh Holy Night, came on. Now, I've heard this song hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over the course of my life. But it was on this night that the lyrics, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, that those lyrics came beckoning through the Alexis speaker and a truth from a sermon I once heard came to my mind. A thrill of hope. Dot, dot, dot. A weary world rejoices. I cannot think of a better adjective to describe our current culture's climate than weary. Weary. If we could create a timeline of 2020, oh my word. I'm just going to go and say this right out of the gate. I'm going to miss countless things as I try to recall some of the stresses and tragedies of 2020. And this list won't include the personal things you've experienced. But here are some things that I put together just from memory while writing them down. January, timeline of 2020, January 2020, we have the Australian fires. Kobe and Gianna Bryant and their friends tragically die in a helicopter crash. That, man, that wrecked me. That wrecked our home. That was tough. Andrew actually suggested in honor of Kobe, we changed the name of our son's name from Archie to Kobe. We actually didn't go through with that. But anyways, that was rough. And January had a ton of other things, but those are the two big things that come to my mind. February, we have the first corona death in the U.S. We see Ahmaud Arbery shot and killed in Georgia, which starts a national conversation about racism and prejudice. Also, my son was born in February. And then March... We have the world on high alert due to the quick spread of the coronavirus. We also have the loss of Breonna Taylor. And then we see that many people are suddenly out of work. Businesses are shutting down. Schools are shutting down. March was crazy. 
And then here comes April. April, we're home. Some people are enjoying it. Others, not so much. Again, people are out of work, not at school. And this is when the election really begins to ramp up. And then comes May. So in May, we're introduced to George Floyd in the most devastating way. We're introduced to this man through the loss of his life. And again, that brings more conversation about what is happening in our country when it comes to racism and prejudice. And then there becomes an unrest and a lot of conflict and varying opinions. And then here comes June. We grapple with the loss of plans. We all had like summer vacation plans or family plans or ideas of what the summer would look like. And here we are dealing with the loss of those things. And our change of scenery begins to really set in that maybe we're home more than what we wanted to be. I don't know about you, but when the initial shutdown happened in March, we were hope we were in our minds we're like, oh, by like April, May, but here we are June and it's still our reality. And July, just as we had hoped the world was getting back to normal, we are gre- um, greeted with this reality once again that COVID is here. We see a big spike in COVID numbers and Then here comes August. August, there's a massive explosion in Beirut. Uh, Much of the U.S. is preparing to start the school year again. And our beloved Black Panther passes away. Are you still with me, friends? September. We have the West Coast wildfires that began in August, but they're raging in September. They're happening in Oregon and California and Colorado. And then... And in the midst of all that, we're still dealing with election. We're still dealing with COVID. We're still dealing with job loss. We're still dealing with the change of school schedules. And then October comes. And I don't even know what to say about October other than October was nuts. October. (laughs) And then here's November. And we have an election that was, we'll just say that it was. Like the days leading up to it were stressful and just loud in my personal experience I don't know about you and the election it brought people some make people happy and other people frustrated and it just happened and again following that here comes another spike in the virus and here we are now December and I'm going to be honest with you I feel weary just reading that list and that list again it does not include your personal things. And it doesn't include all global events that took place. Like, you know, Harry and Meghan saying that they didn't want to be a part of the royal family anymore. Like, I mean, there was a ton that has happened in 2020 that's just kind of crazy. Crazy. And again, that doesn't all include the the loss that we've experienced, whether it was in a relationship or we lost a loved one or we lost a job or we lost some kind of plan that we are holding dear to our hearts. 2020, in many ways, has led to weariness. The events of this year have made us weary in many ways. And when we think of this time of year, we often think of fun-loving, mountaintop, memory-making moments, not weariness or flat-out exhaustion. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. So the original writer of O Holy Night, his name is Placid Capot. 
I think I said that correct. He is French or he was French. He was the writer of Oh Holy Night. And I believe he had quite the insight and the understanding of the original Christmas story when writing this song. So quick synopsis of the Christmas story and why it's so important. So at the beginning of humanity, men and women sinned. They disobeyed God. They went against his instruction for their lives. And as a result, there was separation from God. Whereas men and women were able to see God face to face and talk to him face to face, there was now separation due to that sin. But God, in his generous goodness and love for people and his creation, he made a promise that one day he'd offer a gift of reconciliation to all people. But in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, a lot took place. It was like a 2020 timeline on steroids. There was a lot of loss, countless changes of plans, people feeling broken and lonely, living in the tension of feeling totally exhausted and hoping for something more, hoping for God's promise. My husband, Andrew, actually recently preached on what Chris, what Christians call the 400 years of silence. And I'll actually link that his message in my show notes. And so just a quick thing about that. The book of Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. And between the book of Malachi and Matthew, which is where we're introduced to the formal beginning of Jesus' story, takes between Malachi and Matthew, there was a period of 400 years. Again, what we call the 400 years of silence. During this long, long period of time, there were many people who had lost hope and many people who forgot the promise God had made to them. Many who threw in the towel on a better tomorrow. Again, God had made a promise all throughout the Old Testament that one day he would give his son or that he'd bring a king to enter the world and to reconcile men and women to him, to bridge the gap in that separation. And that was going to be Jesus. And people had the hope, but they began to lose hope between Malachi and Matthew. And once we're reintroduced to the Israelites and really the Greco-Roman culture that you find in the New Testament, there was a lot of people who did not believe that Jesus, that a Messiah, they didn't know that his name was going to necessarily be Jesus. They had lost hope. They had forgotten the promise. They had gotten so caught up in the chaos and the culture that they tried to recreate some kind of relationship with God by their works and they tried to fix themselves and they tried to be perfect in every which way so that they could earn God's love in some way. They had given up hope on the promise. Now they wouldn't have necessarily said that, but their actions show that. During this long period of time, people lost hope. They lost hope and threw in the towel on a better tomorrow. But we also see through Matthew and the beginning of New Testament that there were those who didn't lose hope. Now, no one stayed alive for the entire period of the 400 years of Malachi to Matthew, at least not that I'm aware of. But we know that 
the hope was kept alive because the story of the promise was shared through the generations of people. And we know that to be true because of a woman and a man we find at the very beginning of Jesus' story. Their names are Anna and Simeon. And you can find their story in Luke chapter 2. And these two individuals did not lose hope. That in the midst of the darkness and the chaos, in the culture that was so evil and that there were so many things going on that were fighting for their attention, they chose to hope and believe for a better tomorrow. They could have been like the average person of their day and surrendered their hope to circumstance. But instead, they held to hope. They believed for the better tomorrow. And catch this, they were not young. Scripture tells us that Anna was well advanced in years. And based on the text, we can assume the same for Simeon. These two, through their teens, their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, they held on to hope. They believed for a better tomorrow, even when tomorrow felt like a long way away. Maybe today you find yourself in a place where you're struggling with hope, that you're feeling weary, flat out exhausted. Maybe you are feeling even more overwhelmed as I shared that list with you. Like, I forgot about half of those things. Thank you very much, Anna. Now I'm feeling even more weary. I'm sorry about that. But you're feeling today weary. You're feeling tired. Maybe you're finding yourself not wanting to hope because you're not wanting to deal with more disappointment in 2020. As I sit with you in these thoughts of, What's the use of hoping? Or if I hope, it will surely end in disappointment. I challenge both you and me to gain and grab a hold of some hope today. When I look over scripture and the course of history, when things were tough and rough, like 2020 tough and rough, and people chose to hope, the miraculous happened. I began to think about this and I began to see, okay, who are some people through the course of history and scripture that held to hope when just chaos ensued? The first person that I think of is Esther in the Bible. I mean, genocide was about to happen with her people and she hoped, she advocated, she believed for freedom for her people. Mother Teresa, she was in the slums, the, the most dark places in the world. And she believed that people could have a stronger and healthier tomorrow and that they could know that they are loved and valued. Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, come on. So much chaos. He led a revolution. He changed not only the United States, but he changed the world in the midst of chaos, in the midst of 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 so much hurt and people attacking him, he said that he had his dream. He said, I have hope for the future. Nelson Mandela, my goodness, there's so many people that come to mind and those are just a few. So I guess if I can sum up this episode in one phrase, friend, it would be this. You have permission and you also have the ability 
despite what circumstances would tell you, to hope again. The song says, A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. When Jesus came the first time, the world was weary. I think this Christmas might look most like the original Christmas. The world was tired. There were people who were on the fringe. There were people who were lonely and isolated and longing for fulfillment and an answer in their lives. And when I say those things, we can say the same about right now, 2020. There are people who are feeling isolated, lonely, that they have a longing in their hearts for true purpose. And that might just be you. We are in the midst of a weary world. But we, my friend, can have a thrill of hope. Jesus was that thrill of hope. He was the deliverance of the promise. Thank you, Father, that you gave us Jesus. I just get excited thinking about that and even talking about that. But a thrill of hope. You and I, we can hope again. A weary world rejoices. A weary world hopes. You and I can hope today. Maybe you're like, Anna, I really don't have the energy to hope. Maybe you can simply hope for a small thing. Maybe just hope for a day where you can see family face to face that you maybe haven't been able to see for a while. Or you hope for your business to start back up where it once was. Or you hope that school, if you're in college or even in high school, that School will one day look like it once did. You have permission to hope again. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And here's the thing. Hope does not have a price tag, but it will cost you courage. Courage. Man, it takes courage to hope. It is not an easy, passive thing to do. But I want to challenge you today to take up the cost of hope, take up the courage, and to hope for a better tomorrow. You know, I mentioned that the hope, the gift that God offered to all of us is Jesus. I really believe his life, it gives us permission. It shows us how to hope. It tells us that God is good and that he is good to his promise. And scripture says in several different places, in several different ways, that what the enemy intended to harm us with, that God will use it for our good. As you know, I have a faith, Christian faith background, and I do believe that there is a real enemy that is out to get us. Scripture says that there is an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And But Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Don't forget that part. Uh, But with that, there's an enemy that wants to discourage us, that wants to hurt us, that wants to isolate us. And Jesus, I so believe he is a part of that redemption of seeing, okay, this is what the enemy wants to do with it. But what the enemy wants to hurt us with, God can turn it for our good as we trust him, as we hope and believe for a better tomorrow, as we don't meditate on the hardship and the brokenness of today, but believe that God has good for us 
tomorrow. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. This holiday season is not a wash. I so believe that this Christmas looks most like the original Christmas. A weary world in need of a savior. A weary world in need of rest. A weary world in need of hope. So today and in the days to come, and this holiday season, this Christmas, my hope and prayer for you and for me and my family personally is that we would hope, that we would begin to look to the future with positivity, with belief that God has good things on the horizon, that maybe the sorrow that we experience today, that it is not a forever thing, but that we can have, that we have good things in front of us, that God, God's best, I really believe, is yet to come, and that God is going to redeem the hurt and the hardship of this year. It might not be today or tomorrow or next week like we would like on our own timeline, but in his time, Redemption will come. A thrill of hope. I'm going to say this again. A weary world rejoices. In our weariness, in our tiredness, in our exhaustion, in our over being over 2020, may you have a thrill of hope as you believe and trust God for a better and stronger tomorrow. Super simple thought today. I know there's not these step-by-step, one, two, three, four steps, but this is what's really been on my heart this, this holiday season, and I just wanted to share with you. So I hope you find it encouraging, and I hope it challenges you and stokes a fire in your heart and a belief in your spirit to hope again. Friend, always remember that I am in your corner and that I am cheering you on and that no matter the circumstance, you have the ability to sow intentionally so that you may reap abundantly, to sow hope so that you may reap joy like never before. I love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. I'll talk to you soon.